Hello there, and welcome back to Just Goes to Show. This is your co-host, Ridge, on the mic. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Happy Monday. Good to be here. It's just over here on the second mic, coming to you live. I think you say good to be here every time. Is it really good to be here? I don't know. Not really. It's like negative 20 degrees in Chicago this week, snow everywhere. No, not, not, not exactly, no. Yeah, it's going to be a record coldest week in, in Chicago, so we're secretly hoping that everything gets frozen over and we just get to get stuck, frozen out of work, and watch a little Premier League action this week. Um, to give you a little outline of what we're going to be covering, there wasn't any Premier League action this past weekend, so we're trying to fill your void. Uh, we're going to cover a little bit of what happened in the FA Cup. Uh, also get explained kind of what the FA Cup is, for those who don't know, because um, I feel like you never really get an explanation unless you inherently know. Um, and then also we're going to cover some of the transfer rumors, uh, just like we've been doing over the last few weeks. Uh, and then a couple major headlines with one with Emiliano Sala, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard about. Pretty shocking headlines. Um, and then we have some trivia. And then at the end, uh, a little one-off question, like who would you sell in the Prem? Uh, a little market value question similar to our, uh, which, you know, get a little market analysis going. Who would you sell on the on the high, so to speak? It is, uh, it is transfer season. So, I mean, that's pretty much what we got on the docket. Right. So and it's almost over. Yep, there you go. Almost over. So, um the, so jumping jumping straight into it, the biggest had I mean, obviously from the weekend there was no Premier League action, so there were only a handful of Premier League teams that played, um, and they played in the FA Cup. So I just want to give like a little background of like what the FA Cup is, because we don't really have anything like that in the states. I'm trying to think if there's like any comparison. Can you think of? No, I mean there really isn't anything quite like it. Um, like from an from like an analogy perspective, no. um, it's almost like <laughs> a college football bowl game. But it is a tournament with all the clubs. Yeah, it's I just guess, like something that's totally separate, I guess. Yeah, so so not even that close of a good comparison. Really, so in in England, essentially, obviously throughout the season, the Premier League is going on. There are the twenty teams in the Premier League. There's so thirty eight games. Each team plays each other twice, home and away, um, and that season's going on from what August uh, August to, to yeah August to to May, um, and then obviously. Throughout that time, teams aren't playing every single Saturday. There's a bunch of different things that kind of filter in and out. One of them is international breaks. A lot of the players are international players. So if a, if a player plays for Spain, if he's Spanish or he's French, he plays for France and the national team. The national teams, every now and then, they'll have international breaks. So players can leave and go play for their country and represent their country in international competition. Uh, the other domestic break that takes teams away from their league play are different cup competitions that happen throughout the year. So there are two notable ones in England. There's the FA Cup and the League Cup. The League Cup gets different sponsors. I believe now it's what, the Carabao Cup? Yeah. Um, so the FA Cup and the League Cup are two trophies, um, prestigious English trophies that have been played for for a long, long time in England. And the tournament starts, it's not unique to one league. So, for example, I think in the 2011-2012 season, there were – almost 800 teams who started qualifying stages in the FA Cup. And then they all play for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, and then over time, I think of it as like a huge March Madness bracket. And then over time, uh, the tournament kind of funnels down, down, down until you know you have a champion. And then the whole idea is obviously throughout all this, um, squads are all, oftentimes playing their reserves or uh, backup players, fringe players, to kind of get give them games and let them play to see if they can make it into the first team. So the, uh, the spirit of the cup is a, is a big thing that's talked about in England, like how important is the cup competition? You just play for a trophy and a small bonus. Um, but you see a lot of Premier League teams and other leagues playing each other throughout the year. And I hope that makes sense. Big yeah. much madness bracket, I guess. That was 
a really good explanation, I'm sure, Jack. I got distracted, though, while you are doing it. I have a 30-second segue because you mentioned that uh, the current League Cup is sponsored by Carabao. Do you know what that is? Like, what Carabao is? Carabao? Yeah. I actually don't. I realize I've heard the word, like, a hundred times, and I don't know what that means, so I just Googled it. And the first thing that came up on Wikipedia is that the Carabao, it's a Filipino word for a domestic swamp-type water buffalo. <laughs> But apparently it's also a Thai energy drink. So, anyway, but back to the FA Cup. Love that. Yeah, um, so that was a good description. It's cool. I mean, like, the thing with the FA Cup and the League Cup is none of the clubs take it quite as seriously as the actual Premier League and their position in that. But if you make a deep run into it, especially if you're a smaller club, it's really cool. And, like, the allure of winning a trophy in England is a big deal. And so the FA Cup and the League Cup would count as trophies. And so... Um, like even if you have a really bad season in the Premier League, but you make it to like the FA Cup final or could win the FA Cup final as a lower team, that'd be a massive accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So like in a way, it's it's definitely a backseat to the Premier League. But if you make a really good run, it's cool, and you have these lower league teams that can make deeper prep runs as well and like get to play against a Man City or United or like Chelsea or something. Right, like, which is again really cool if you're a small club. Yeah, and that's kind of the spirit of the March Madness thing, like a 16 seed beating a one seed kind of thing. Like if you're a smaller league team and you beat a Premier League team, um, it's awesome. And the smaller teams, when Premier League teams play them, uh, they have to share revenue from each game. So, for example, if you're a really, really small team, your stadium holds 3,000 people, and then all of a sudden you play away at, I don't know, you play away at, at the Emirates, which has you know, 40-odd thousand, 50,000 people who they can see, um, instantly you gain hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars just from the ticket revenue of that game because Arsenal will fill out the stadium, and if you're some tiny you know, a tiny non-league team, uh, you take in a lot of revenue. So small teams which, really, really want to play big teams. Right, which is kind of interesting, too, because there's, like, two sides to that. If you're a small club, if you want to keep playing in the Cup, drawing Man City's not really going to be helpful for you because you're probably not going to win. But you can kind of, like, get a payday, and you get to travel, like, an away day to an awesome ground or a big club. Like, yeah. Like, fan base, it's a really big... Outing yeah, I, I I still think it's it's I think the March Madness thing makes no sense. It's like making it it's a like, 16 well, yeah, seed no, and you know you're going to lose. It is it's like March Madness if March Madness was happening during the college basketball regular season throughout the season and it like was totally separate from that event. Yeah, you're right because it's not like the it's not what everyone's It's like if March for. Madness started in October and ran through March but they played a game once a month. And it was for a different trophy other than the <laughs> And it the didn't have anything to do with the regular season. Yeah. It was like that? Yeah, maybe. We have to come up with an analogy. It's a lot less exciting. Um, <laughs> much no, nice in that way, but... No, no, nonetheless, uh, there are a few Premier League teams still around, so if you're a fan of one of these, um, they're still, still in the tournament, or still in the FA Cup. We've got Crystal Palace, uh, Wolverhampton, so Wolves, Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, um, and then Watford and Brighton. So those are the teams that I put Manchester United in here twice because they're just. Everywhere. That's why you're they're confused. All... I thought you just didn't want to say Watford and Brighton because I don't like those. Yeah, I don't like either those teams. Yeah. No, I just you know I was in here twice. Um, but then the uh, the main game that we watched and it was nice to see Crystal Palace play. Crystal Palace played at home to Spurs, which is like a you know a classic Premier League matchup. I've seen Crystal Palace been beaten by Spurs from a. Deli Alley screamer before, and it was, was it was a good win. It was a two 0 win for Palace, and Connor Wickham scored for Palace, which is it's good to see. First of all, Crystal Palace play with a center forward, and then also Connor Wickham scored in almost like eight hundred days, almost three years without a goal. So that's good for Mercedes. Yeah, it was forward. a good win for Palace. I think it was more of a 
concerned for Spurs than it is for Palace. We're looking at like overall storylines on that. Spurs um, just got bounced from the League Cup, now the FA Cup, basically the Premier League race in the past like three weeks now. Yeah, and they have, like, now like, they, what are they playing for? They, well, yeah, they're still in the Champions League for the time True. being, but um, they're in trouble. The good news for them is they do have Sun coming back earlier than expected from the Asian Cup because they lost to Qatar, I think. Yeah, bad loss. Yeah. Um, I didn't even realize that Qatar was in Asia. Like, I didn't even think about that. That might be worse than the loss itself. Well, I mean, I was like thinking Asian Cup, Qatar isn't a team that comes to mind as a contender there. Anyway. What cup do you think they would play for? I wouldn't think they'd be in any cups. I don't know. I just Got it. They, don't, they, don't, they don't cross my mind as a football team other than like being in the World Cup for no reason. Anyway, we're not talking about the, the Asian Cup, but shout out. Qatar, I guess. Well, yeah, I think I think the and, and the classic debate has resurfaced now with Mauricio Pochettino of oh, what are Spurs playing for? Is do you, how do you judge success well, in the Premier League? Which is like, well, it's not even. I don't think it's even Pochettino as much. It's like I've seen now. All right, Spurs are once again not going to win anything. It's like the ongoing joke that Spurs never actually win anything, and it's like all right, well, not, I'm not seeing a lot of stuff like negative towards Pochettino. I'm like, oh, well, now Pochettino's going to leave because they're not giving him any money and. You know, all these different clubs won in United and Real Madrid and this and that. Well, I think it's, it's more so that people, again, it's, it's the, the fact that they're laughed at. And it's like if you're Pochettino and every year this happens when you're laughed at for actually having like one of the best teams in the league. And then there's all these rumors where you could go to Barcelona or yeah, PSG or Manchester United or, you know, these massive teams where, it's, I don't know, it just seems... Uh, an, an, Annoying that he has like put up with that. Oh man. right, right. I'm, well, I'm saying that I don't think that Pochettino gets much of the heat. I think it's that like Daniel Levy gets the heat for not giving him money to work with. Like I think if Pochettino had a little bit of a bigger wallet or checkbook over there, then maybe making more moves. I don't think he's just like, no, guys, we're good. When was the last time he wrote a check? I don't know, but that's what they always like. They, I feel like they use that word in England and they use the Q for the, the yeah, word yeah, check yeah, they to do, spell they it differently. But anyway. Um, and that used to be like a headline, open their checkbook to yeah, splash yeah. the cash on the transfer. Anyway, um, I think Pochettino would definitely make signings. I don't think he wanted to be like the first club in years to not make a single signing last window when they're playing the Champions League. I just don't think that he has much uh, freedom to do that. And they, I don't know, they don't sell anybody, so it's not like he's getting revenue from that to reinvest. So it's yeah. just like, I, I think it's more of a frustration for him that maybe he has to deal with a little bit of negative press, but also he just doesn't maybe have as much support yeah. financially from the ownership as he should, but... I think, again, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it is going to have to do with when their stadium comes in and when do they move in and then when are they going to reinvest. I think they're going to reinvest pretty heavily in the squad once their stadium uh, is, is finally finished. Well, so it should um, be in the summer then, I guess. Yeah, invest, I think but... this Yeah, I think this next this next year they're going to make a serious run at the title if they can kind of stick around over this year because their core won't change. Um, but, again, the injuries are well, well documented. Deli Alley and Harry Kane are out for a while now, and... I mean, they just looked lost over the weekend. Well, it's like, I mean, anyone score. could have predicted they don't sign anybody if your be- two best players get injured. Yeah, you makes sense. You don't have enough depth to replace them. It's going to be tough. It makes so. sense. Um, and, and then kind of uh, the the other headline that was interesting on the theme of, like, smaller teams beating bigger teams in Cinderella stories, West Ham lost to Wimbledon. Felipe Anderson scored a screamer. Also, Everton lost to Millwall. So those are two. Those are both a lot of goals in those games. Yeah, um, two, two non-Premier League teams beating Premier League sides um, that aren't, like bad Premier League sides, it's not like Cardiff's Luke. No, those are two probably top half sides this yeah. year. West Ham are just going to shit after I say you know buy them for the second half. I'm like, oh yeah, I watched West Ham play. Yeah, really questionable. Anderson's good, and now Arnautovic is hurt. And he's did you see the message he gave to the fans the other day? Yeah, we actually it looked like he was, it looked like he was being held hostage. Yeah, he was like he's a like, ransom. He's in front of the camera and. 
like, it's like a 30 second clip saying like, basically don't believe the media or what you see, like, I'm still here. But he didn't seem enthusiastic at all. It seemed like he was like reading from a teleprompter or something at gunpoint. It was ugly. And, like, if I was a West Ham supporter, I would not feel very confident about Arnautovic staying. He was linked with a 50 million pound move to China, and now it seems like he's staying, but I don't know. Yeah, apparently he is staying. He confirmed it on on the IG. Shout out to Marco Arnautovic. Follow on the IG. Joe Clifford, sorry, that's me. Shout out to Joe. But with... um, He's come. Uh, with with Arnautovic, yeah, it's interesting. So a little bit of context for the listeners. Arnautovic's brother is his agent, and Arnautovic is Austrian, um, and, and it kind of risen to prominence over the last five years. Not, I wouldn't say prominence, but he was he Stokes was pretty well. Known he was Stokes' Stoke. best player, right? Him and Shakiri. Uh, yeah, him and Shakiri, and Shakiri's gone on to have a pretty good season here at Liverpool. And Arnautovic was Stokes' best player. Um, wore the you know wore the armband when Shawcross wasn't playing. Scored you know kind of kept them in the league for a while offensively, like their best player. Uh, scored a few goals against Palace and Villa, and then his brother, who was his agent, made these very public comments about how Marco wanted to move, and then he kind of forced a, a move away from Stoke via the media. Players will do that sometimes. Will make really public comments about how they want to leave. It builds up pressure. Other teams then know that they. You know, want to be sold. Shout out Anthony Davis this morning. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Uh, and then so other teams know that they want to be sold and they'll come in and buy that player for cheaper because, you know, the team who owns that player is under pressure. So he did that with, to force a move to West Ham in the first place. And then like three weeks ago or two weeks ago, Marco's brother said the same thing about a move to China. Apparently there's a big money, like massive weight. They're going to pay him a bunch of money to play every week and they're going to make a bunch of money on the transfer. And so it was kind of appealing. And so he was left out of the squad their last Premier League game, um, and then left out of the Cup squad that just played this weekend and then just released this, like, ransom note where he was just like, oh, yes, uh, believe believe what I tell you. Don't listen to media. I'm, like, I, I'm a hammer through and through. Like, watch me play. And it was a little weird. That's my Marco Anatovich impression, too. But it, It's not bad, but thanks. I think you even sound more, like, sounded more enthusiastic about it than he did. He is a bit eccentric. Um, get sent. He can easily score a hat trick or, or get sent off. Yeah. There are a handful of guys like that. You just know when you see it. But he, he's really talented, uh, but not talented enough to beat Wimbledon, I guess. I think they're the smallest club going through. Um, and that mm-hmm. was probably the biggest upset. The other one, Everton and Millwall. And there was a lot of drama in this one, too. Did you see all the fan violence after the match as well? Yeah. There, see, there's, there's some been... videos of just big scrums. Uh, Millwall don't have a good reputation at all. Uh, they're, they're like motto self-appointed motto is everyone hates us or no, no one, one likes, likes us. us no one, no likes, one likes us shit, but yeah no one likes us um shout out andrew lockman has a shirt but they're nasty nasty group yeah it, it is difficult there has been a couple i don't want to get too much into that there has been some headlines with fan violence and things like that the other thing uh, the other thing to note about the fa cup since we've spent almost 15 minutes talking about the fa cup yeah. that uh, they do use VAR in some games in the fa cup they're like testing var we've we talked a lot about var on the pod um, and so they they used VAR in a few games this past the Chelsea Chef, uh, Sheffield Wednesday game. They used it twice in the first half for two different penalties, and one time they awarded it. Or the first time they didn't award one to Sheffield. Yeah, they, they called it they back. Called. They the ref called it and then yeah. they called it back. And then the next one they used it again, but they confirmed it for a Chelsea. Penalty. Both went in Chelsea's favor. Yeah, both in Chelsea's favor. Of course. Um, of course. So who who's paying for VAR? The Prem teams. You got to wonder. But they were, they were actually chanting that the fans were. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I don't know, it, but I've seen some some headlines, some tweets saying like you know 
uh, with VAR. VAR is in some games in the FA Cup, but not others. Like, isn't that the definition of unfair playing field? I think it's interesting. It's good. To, it's going to be interesting to see how that how the cup plays out. Hope Palace can make a run, and then I hope they can iron out some of these VAR issues. Yeah. So, so the draws are out for the next round. Look them up if you want. See if we got a side in there. The next week of the FA Cup is in uh, like two and a half weeks. Yeah. And then the finals in May. So there's. 16 teams left right now about but and that brings us back to the transfer rumors that we have a couple just quick ones to know Inwain finally made it in from um from Juventus yeah uh from AC Milan no Juventus yes AC Milan no Inwain came from Juventus uh to uh here he's on loan uh for the rest of the season with option to extend the loan or buy which is really interesting doesn't Inwain kind of look like a guy I don't know he looks like he's I don't know he looks like he's like a really the really old guy like in at college but like like he's been there for a little bit too long like he's He's starting to ball a little bit. He's, like, starting to get chubby, but, like, he can still r- run. I don't know. He gives me a weird, like, oldish guy. He looks like a, just a normal guy who could be on his couch. Like, if you look at him in his he's jersey. Like that, he's like that intramural basketball guy in college that, like, is kind of out of shape and has, a, like, a scruffy beard, and you're like, I don't really know if this guy is, like, 30 years old or not, but then he drops 25. Yeah, him. you definitely don't want to guard that guy. Yeah. But... Um, anyway, that's what he looks like to me. And then Murata obviously went back to... Well, so uh, then both of these deals are interesting because it's like a, a loan for NYN with an option to either extend the loan or buy. And then Murata got sent to Atletico Madrid on an 18-month loan. So that's like basically just permanent. He's never going to play for Chelsea again. Yeah, it's just weird. Like these are, Those are two transfers. It's got to just be like a logistical thing. The, but the, club who, the clubs who own them definitely don't want them around. Yeah. Um, and then the other Chelsea players, Callum Hudson-Odoi, very young, talented English player. Actually scored a goal in the FA Cup. There you go. Jeffield Wednesday. Um, and he's been touted with a move to Bayern. And he actually tried to just hand in a transfer request to force that move because um, he's really, really highly touted. And then Chelsea just rejected it, announcing that he's going to stay and fight for his place in the team. So we'll see how he takes that. So he's 18, and he has gotten four different bids from Bayern Munich. Uh, the last of them was $35 million, which is the highest. Uh, Chelsea turned down all of them. I guess, I guess they offered him an £85,000-a-week salary. Jeez. 18-year-old, not bad. Take that. Um, he also turned that down. So I don't really know what's going to happen with him, but it seems like he's probably staying at Chelsea at least for this window. Uh, and he, I mean, he did get some time in the FA Cup. I doubt he'll really be playing much in the Prem unless there's some injuries, but we'll see. Yeah, transfer request. Good to keep that English talent in England, though, because a lot of it's been moving out away to Germany and things like that. So Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, then let's see. Other than that, um, I think I wanted to touch on Adrissa Guy uh, and PSG in general. So PSG... Made a move for Adrissa Ganagai from Everton, 29 year old French midfielder. Former Villa. Former Aston Villa player. He moved to Everton a couple of years ago for, I think, about $7 million. And he's been really good. He's kind of like an Angolo Conte type player. Yeah, for like, sure. Really good tackler, covers a lot of ground, but he's 29. PSG are coming in for like $21 million on him right now. Apparently, Everton are like saying hands off, not selling him. PSG, I don't understand why they need him. He's 29. It's like, I don't understand why they need like reinforcements in the midfield. They also were looking to move for Decore from Watford earlier. I don't know. 
These seem like odd moves for me. Yes? Yeah. I, I, clearly, they're looking for an industrious uh, central midfielder who covers a lot of ground. If you think about it, that's kind of like what they had uh, with Blaise Matuidi for a long time. Yeah. Um, he has moved on. Yeah. yeah he's at Juve now. Um, or somewhere lost in Syria. And I think... I think when the PSG obviously have a lot of talented players, they have Mbappe, Cavani, and Neymar, that talented front three. Um, and obviously in order to get those guys the ball, they don't do a lot of running. So you need some pretty industrious guys in central midfield. And so I think that's what they've tr- so struggled to find because they don't, they have like Adrian Rabiot and like a couple other good French players. But um, I'm actually a f- like d- disappointed myself how much I know about this PSG team. They just have so many good players. It's just, I, I'm just surprised to see them go after like, you know, kind of like mid table 29 year old yeah I mean I think I also think if you're starting I do actually like a a guy but like I I don't know I just think if you're starting central midfielder in I mean they're up by 13 points with two games in hand in France it's that league's a joke if you're starting central midfielder unless you are French like the players that they're going after are French speakers like Adressa Gay um, Johan Kabai went there Ducouré um, they, they go after French speakers because I don't think there's really much reason to go and like live in Paris and play for them because it's not a place to advance your career, right? Like, you stay in England if you're trying to advance so your football career. But, yeah, no, I, I thought that was good to touch on. And then let's get over to uh, a couple other stories. Yeah, Abu, uh, so, uh, Abu, um, Abubakar Kamara at Fulham. Yes. Yeah, so weird str- story. Yeah, so I was, str- I was struggling to say his first name there. Um, Abubakar. Abubakar. So Abubakar Kamara is the is another center forward for Fulham. Um, and he most of you will, might remember him. By, he had a bit of a tussle with Alexander Mitrovic, the Fulham captain, a few weeks ago. Uh, Mitrovic drew, drew a penalty, or no, there was like a handball. No one really drew it, and Kamara, but Kamara kicked the ball at the player who hit the handball, and Kamara picked up the ball and went to take the penalty. Mitrovic is the captain; he's the designated penalty taker. Mitrovic has taken penalties before for Fulham. Kamara refuses to give the ball to his captain, demands to take the penalty, and then he, he gets it saved. So he misses the penalty, demands to take it, and then he just got blown up by his manager. And then apparently um, the following week in training, him and Mitrovic had a bust up in training and the police were called and forced to separate the two. And he hasn't been trained. He hasn't trained at the club since. Well, you forgot about the other fight that apparently they had as reported by the Sun. Credible source. I'd be remiss if I didn't share this, even if it's not true. I think it's very funny. So apparently they had that bust up in training session, and they also had another fight in kind of a training session, except it wasn't exactly a training session. It was a silent yoga session, and apparently Kamara got real pissed off at Mitrovic for talking too much during the silent yoga session. So that also sparked a little bit of uh, fire. Yeah, those guys that just good. Room. <laughs> and also, Claudio Ranieri basically says that he has no idea what happened, no problems there, good to go. Uh, and there's links with Kamara being like sold and he's been left out of the lineup. I don't know what the hell is going on I, there. It's so it, weird. It's weird. I didn't Kamara know about the sound. Mitrovic are divas though. They both are. Yeah. But it's kind of one of those things. You can you can't have too many of those on one team. And like quite frankly, Fulham aren't winning enough games where that many of those personalities can mesh. Like if you're losing games and you're get, you're grinding at the bottom of the table, you can't have multiple guys like that cuz they'll just explode. Kamara is also a I don't, I, he's a big flopper. He's like very I don't know. He wears number 47. I don't rate him. Yeah, so I was going to actually mention that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm actually a little annoyed you stole my thunder on that. I was going to come up with this hot take that, like, if you're anything over the number 40, what are you doing? I, I don't like it. Like, immediately, you're, I'm not going to like you. Yeah, it's, it's like something you only see. Forward. Yeah, you don't see any good uh, players in the Premier League wearing those hot, that, that high of numbers. It's only, like, 
players who come into the squad, like they get their call up, they're like a 16-year-old, and they get their call up and they're wearing like 67 or something like that. Yeah. Like a couple Southampton players have high numbers. Like I think like um, Phil Foden's number is high. Maybe he's like 40 or something yeah, like that. I think like, he might be, yeah, he's 40, 41 or something. It's just dumb. I don't... There's yeah, enough, it doesn't, there's doesn't enough look numbers good. in the first like... Thirty. If it doesn't, yeah, if it doesn't look good. You want to, you want to be sub twenty. If you're over, even if you're over twenty, that's a little questionable. I'm trying to think of any good players who are over twenty. Can't think of any. Send them, send them in if you find them. But yeah, anyway, that's not really great content there. But I feel like I should talk about that because I think <laughs> most people agree with that. And then the the last thing that we wanted to touch on quickly, we don't really have like much, uh, you know, new coverage to cover. But it's something that like happened this past week in the Premier League, which is. Just absolutely insane. Emiliano Sala, who is the club the club record transfer for Cardiff, again, the Premier League team who we kind of bashed a little bit for their brand of football. They bought him as a club record club record fee, their most expensive transfer of all time. They're flying him over from uh, Nantes in France, FC Nantes. Um, he's flying over in the middle of the night with a pilot and him on the plane, a little private jet. The flight never shows up in the morning. He never shows up at the airport, doesn't arrive at the club ground. So then they go. So then they go looking for him. They can't find the plane. It's been what almost a week now. A week now, and they have uh, maybe even over a week. Um, No, it's been a week. I think it happened the day after we released the pod last week, Um, and they haven't found him, which is like so insane. I I I'm struggling to figure out how. It's not like a crazy long flight going from Cardiff to Nantes. Like you know, this is that's got to be what across the channel. Yeah, that's got to be what like. Two or three hours. I would say probably even less than that. So like about that maybe I don't. know. I mean it must have been really terrible conditions. It's really really sad. Well, it's only him and the pilot. It was a really small plane, so you think maybe there was just some issues with the plane. I, I don't know. I, it's just crazy, and and since then I, I was I kind of I'm trying I was trying to explain it like make an analogy. I feel like that would be like if the like the Yankees bought mm. a, a massive player from. The Red Sox, and then or the Yankees bought Manny Machado, and Manny Machado was flying from L.A. to New York uh, overnight, and then just didn't show up in the morning. Yeah, I mean, it's no, like, no disrespect to Sal. I mean, the Cardiff aren't the Yankees, so I wouldn't quite true. go that far. But, um, yeah, but I just think that concept in, like, mo- in modern transfers and, and modern travel, the fact that a plane can just disappear like that seems – we were talking about it. It seems like – It's pretty shocking. That, that, that can still happen just seems insane. Yeah, I mean, I guess, so apparently they started a, a submarine search um, in the past day here. Some American who says he's like a shipwreck expert. They're trying to find like any remains, but... Yeah, they've like collected some, some private funding now because the, the police have officially halted the search, saying that there's very little likelihood he's he's still alive. Um, but then there's been privately funded expeditions that have just started. So, yeah, I mean... Hopefully they find the flight just to give the uh, the plane, the family, some closure. But at this point, it looks like... Yeah, you know, he's thoughts are out there with them. I mean, it's just crazy, and especially yeah. with this happening the same year as everything that happened with Lester um, and the helicopter accident. There, it's just it seems insane that all that's happening. But um, yeah, safe travels. Yeah, seriously. So it's crazy. Anyway, um, let's move on to something totally different from that uh, trivia. I hard guess we'll hard dive pivot. right into it. Let's get some like music going in here. Get yeah. the spirits back up. So I'm gonna do it a little bit different here this time. Because this one's kind of tricky, and there's no way I can just say, like, get the top five or top ten. It's going to throw your brain in a bit of a pretzel. Classic. So there's actually – I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to let you guess any of the top 12, and I'm only going to want you to get half of them. 
I think if you get half of them, we'll call it a win. Because there are two names for each of those 12 spots. Yeah, I wanna, have no idea what the questions are, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you 75 seconds. So I'm going to go for the full seconds. 90. And what I need you to do is I need you to name both players in order. So here's how it's going to go. So far in the Premier League this season, there have been a lot of combinations of assists and goals from the same player in the same team. Got it. For instance, hypothetically, I could have assisted you on five goals this year. Get the combination, you score five, I assist five to you. It's usually how it goes when we're playing soccer. Right. Okay. Uh, so right now there's one duo that has the most uh, assists to goals in the Prem, one combination. They have four. And then there are 11 that are tied with three. Wow. So what I want you to name is the goal scorer and the assister. Obviously, they're all on the same teams. Uh, I will give you one other hint. There are one, two, three, four of them are going to be from clubs out to- outside the top four. Or outside the top six, actually, I guess. Okay. So there are a couple of lower leaguer ones in there. You, you get the concept, though, yeah? Yep. Okay. Wait, there are a couple of lower league? They're all, uh, in lower the, divisions, sorry. The, excuse me. Clubs that are outside the top six or okay, four got it. of them. Got it. Rules are clear. Okay. And I might give you a hint at some point on, depending on how bad this is. I don't know. I think this might be all right. All right. So you got 75 seconds. Here we go. All right. So first one has got to be Ryan Frazier and Calum Wilson. Goal scored on that? Four. Well, no. Who is the score? Who's the Wilson, sister? obviously. Okay. Yep. Frazier's the sister. Clown. Um, and then I'm going to say Firmino Sala. Salah Firmino. No. Um, how about Pogba to Rashford? No. How about Madison to Vardy? No. Um, let's see. How about seconds. Sessegnon to Mitrovic? Yes, that is one. How about, how about uh, Ali to Kane? Son to Kane? No. Erickson to Kane? Yes. You have three of them. 20, 23 seconds left. Um, how about Sterling to Aguero? Sterling to Sané? No. Sané to Sterling? Yes. Um, how about Sané to... Uh, yeah, Sané, Sané to Aguero? No. Sané to Jesus? No. Um, oh, you did say Sterling to Sané, didn't you? So, yeah. do that. All right. Um, Time. You got five. I said half would be impressive. I didn't know you were going to make me guess the order of the combinations, but... Well, there's a reason why I made you guess that. Oh, you said... Did... We might have to go back to the tape on this one. I was, getting, I was getting my brain a little bit of a pretzel. I can't remember if you said Sané to Jesus or not. I think you said Sterling I did, Jesus. I did. I said Sané Jesus. I'll give no you... No VAR on that one. I'll give you a six because there's another one. Okay, so <laughs> this is interesting because you called me a clown for no reason <laughs> because I asked a perfectly valid question and now it's going to come back up here. So the number one combination, like you guessed correctly, was Callum Wilson goal scorer assisted by Ryan Frazier. Tied for second is Ryan Frazier goal scorer assisted by Callum Wilson. They were Wait, both that's three and that's three? Now they had three that way. Wow. So if you wouldn't have called me a clown, I might have just given you both, but you had to go there and get personal. <laughs> no, I wouldn't so have So I'm not it. counting that other one. Uh, and that might have helped you, actually. 
But definitely Here's what I had you down for. I had you down for Wilson to Frazier one time, Erickson to Kane, Sané to Sterling, Sterling to Sané. I gave you Sané to Jesus as well, and then you got Sessegnon and Mitrovic. Yeah, you gotta love impressive. that one, That was really impressive. Here's what you missed. Two Arsenal can, can combinations. Give, uh, I was going to say, can you give me the teams? Yeah. Um, Lacazette to Aubameyang. Correct. And then... Not Aubameyang to Lacazette. No. But maybe... Mctarian to... No. Ugh. No, Mctarian sucks this year. No. Yeah, you're right. He does. Oh, not Ozo? Is Ozo in one no. of them? No. Lacazette, or uh, Aubameyang is the goal scorer on both of them. Who, uh, Kolasinic to Aubameyang? No. I don't know. Who? Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey, really? Yeah, and then Dang. one from Liverpool. Uh, yeah, I would see, that's the thing. Is you that got any... close, but you didn't say it. Um, what, what is it? Is it, is it uh, Sané de Salah? Uh, Sadio Mane de Salah? It's... Uh, Mane is the goal scorer. Salah the assist scorer. Oh, Salah to Mane. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I would never. Have, there's too many combinations there. And then I don't think you said Aguero to Sterling. So Sterling was the goal scorer on two of these. Aguero was on none of them actually. Wow. And then the last one was the Ryan Fraser goal scorer for Wilson. So overall, it was guff. It was a complicated one, but I thought it was pretty interesting. The other thing too is so uh, Aubameyang. They actually give the top twenty, which also includes all the combinations that have happened twice, or at least I would imagine most of them. And Aubameyang's on there two more times from Kalasinich and Bellerin. Yeah, so, and he's an assist around one of them. He's all over this list. But um, anyway, well, that's the kind of goal scorer he is, right? He's not much of a creator, so he kind of needs that. He get, does a good job getting into space, but he's kind of a fox in the box type. So he's gonna get. He's not gonna get like a lot of unassisted goals, right? Like this, yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, that was, that was a pretty impressive round for you because that was tough. But um, I did give you extra time as well, so I don't know. We'll um, call. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting better week over week. I'm doing my homework. Yeah, uh, maybe you can throw out another poll and try to get some love on Twitter like you did last week. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at uh, just goes to show pod. At goes to show pod. Goes to show pod. I'm working on the on the handles there. Right. Chris runs the account, not me. Um, all right, cool. So then the final question we're going to wrap up with is pretty simple one, but again, well, we, actually, when you posed it, I thought it was very complicated. That's yeah, why I included that example. And I'll explain what that means. But Go that's ahead. why I'm saying it's pretty simple, because I don't think it's that hard. But if you could sell one player in the window, so in this January transfer window, um, on any team and, and get maximum cash for it, who would it be? Um, so then you use the example. Well, so I don't think that's that simple the way you worded it. But anyway, basically, I think what you meant was... Who has their stock at their highest right now that's going to go down where you could cash in for a high return and then expect them to kind of like tail off at this point? Exactly. Like a little market analysis. Like who are you going to – who if you sell now, you're selling them at a high at their peak and it's, it's the best value for your money. So – okay. And so the example that I used was Alexis Sanchez going from Arsenal to United. Great sale by Because yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal got a ton of money from him. They were paying him a ton of money. He's gone to United makes like – 300 pounds a week, 300,000 pounds a week there, and doesn't play at all. Yeah. And he's like 30. Yeah, anymore. good good sale from Arsenal. So that was a great example. So you can go first if you want. Yeah, all right. So I, I kind of went similar route. I used a big name in the Premier League who is 30 years old. I used Sergio Aguero. Um, Sergio Aguero only has 10 goals so far this season. And it's weird to say because he is such a legend at City. So I, I, don't th- I don't envision City doing something like this, but – um, he's also spoken a lot about how he wants to go back and play in Argentina. His family lives in Argentina. His son comes and stays with him for like 
a week every month and leave school. Um, so his, all his family lives back in Argentina. He kind of lives by himself. He hangs out with David De Gea a lot um, in in England and has his own massive house. And him and David De Gea just hang out, which is kind of cool. I want to hang out there. But Sergio Aguero is 30 years old, world-class striker, um, but he get, he's often injured. He's only got 10 goals this season. Gabriel Jesus is starting to look a little bit better and get some goals. I think if you're Manchester City... I don't think they're going to do this because I think they do want to you know, push on and win the title. But I don't think the value for Aguero is higher than it is right now. And I think if you sold Aguero, you could get easily 60, 70, 80 million pounds. Um, if you sold – Luis Suarez is 32, right? He went to Barcelona. He was, what, 28, 29 um, for a massive fee. So I think if you were to sell him right now to a big team, there are teams out there who would go and buy him, the Real Madrid's, the Barcelona's. Um, and I don't. You know, I don't think he has that much of a career still to play at City. So I don't totally disagree with you, but I have two issues with where, what you're saying there. Number one, you said he only has 10 goals like 10 times. That's tied for fourth in the Premier League. And he's missed some time. So it's not like he's having a poor season. Like, he's got 10 goals. I, I, if you hold this season, yes, I, of course, it's not a poor season. But I think if you, if you slap in a world-class center forward on this Manchester City team... That is world class, having a world class season. I mean, this is the kind of this is the kind of team that if Luis Suarez from that Liverpool team a few years, you know, four or five years ago was playing in, would have like thirty goals by Christmas. I mean, do you think like Harry Kane or Aubameyang would have thirty goals playing for them? Right I now? think they would have a lot more than ten. Yeah, I think Aubameyang would be at like twenty five. I think Harry Kane would be at like twenty five. Well, um, so the other the other thing I have that's kind of an issue. And is he's that, injured a lot. Well, it's that. I don't think that if you're gonna like pick one player to sell in this window, um, and I don't think that City like care that much about the money as part of it. So I don't think they really need that sale as much. I I, I don't think that they need to like get rid of Aguero so they can like reinvest that in a new forward or anything. They could just go out and buy somebody. I will say that it might be more of like a, a locker room problem if they had Aguero on the team and not playing, but. You know, I, I, I think it's a pretty good pick because I agree with most of what you're saying. I do think he gets injured a lot. I, you know, he's going to be starting to tail off in his career a little bit. You still could get a lot for him. So. Get a lot for him. And, and that, that's my point. Is I, I don't think it makes sense necessarily with Manchester City's ambitions and, like, if they sell him and just Jesus, is he, he's the number one forward every single week? Probably not. Could they move to something? quite ready. For could that. they move to something that Liverpool do and play Salah up top? Maybe, but um, so I don't think it makes sense with the team. But I'm thinking of like, hey, like if City's season goes south here, um, like if it was to go, if it would have gone south here over the over Christmas and they looked like they weren't going to win the title, like I think that's something they may have explored a little bit more because I don't think he's ever going to sell for higher than and I think his value is just going to diminish here over the next you know two seasons. Interesting. So I went in a little bit of a different direction might stir the pot a little bit, but I said Wilfred Zaha, and I have a few reasons behind that as well. Um, full transparency, he's you know one of my favorite players for my favorite club. He's the best player that's ever played for Crystal Palace, probably. So, love the guy to death. Uh, we almost share a birthday, actually. You know, he was born one day after me. No, I didn't know that. One day after, November 10th, 92. Shout out, Wilf. But anyway, um, he is linked every window. It's always a distraction for Palace. Every single window, Crystal Palace is, or Crystal Palace is going to sell Will Saha somewhere. Hasn't been happening, but it's still a distraction. He's 26 right now, also injury prone. Misses time all the time. Kind of inconsistent with his production. He's only scored three times this year. Uh, I think he's been decent. They, they still can't really win without him, but you know he's not a very consistent performer. He's linked again right now with Dortmund. 
um, which would be an opportunity to get him out of England, so he's not competing against them in the Premier League. Uh, for a good price, it would be over $50 million easily. Uh, and I don't think that if they wait much longer, they're going to get a whole lot more for him in a year or two. So I think at this point, they're in, they're in a spot where if they could sell Zaha and actually reinvest that money into the club a little bit, they might be better off rounding up the club, bringing in a forward, bringing in another midfielder, things like that. So I think this would actually be the prime time. I don't think they'll be able to keep him forever. Initially, when you put this in the in the in the doc here that we work off of, I jumped up and down because I was like, "You're stirring the pot." I can't believe you're saying that. Listening to your the points that you're making right there, and thinking about it a little bit more, I am. I hate to say it, I am, I'm thinking I'm thinking of Andres Townsend's play this season, and I'm thinking about how Andres doesn't really do anything particularly well for Pal, crazy well, right? He never beats crazy amount of players one-on-one, he works really hard on the wing, runs up and down for days, doesn't turn the ball over in crazy situations, doesn't make a whole lot happen either, but he's had a really good season, probably his best season for Crystal Palace that he's having right now, and scored in the FA Cup over the weekend from the spot, and should have scored another goal, actually. So I think, is. I well, I think Andros's form proves that if you were to get another player, you know, slightly similar to Wilf, maybe maybe we'd be all right. You know, I think for a long time I've been so hesitant to the idea of selling Wilf because you know I can't imagine us going forward down the pitch without him. But a lot of our goals lately in our play has it hasn't necessarily always gone through him, and that's making me feel like we. I don't want to say like we need him less, but like we're less wholly dependent on him. And I think you're right. I don't know if there's going to be a point where we get more. Like I think we can go and get 60, 65 million pounds for Wilfred Zaha right now. Yeah, I think that would probably be pretty realistic considering what some other guys have gone for. And um, I agree. I mean, I think Palace are in a spot where with Wilf, he, they're just going to keep having to give him more and more money to try to convince him to stay. He kind of wants to go. He loves Palace, but I think he's he wants to play in the Champions League. I think he kind of deserves to be able to get an opportunity to do that as well. And so I just think that this would be a good time. And I don't think they'll do it. Well, I, I know they won't do it in January, but I think that will probably come in the summer. There will at least be rumors again, and I think they'll probably try to hold on to them for a little bit and eventually ship them off somewhere. But I think it would probably be the best for, for both sides at some point if... Palace is willing to, to reinvest the funds into bringing in a couple more players because they could use a little bit more well-rounded squad, I think. Yeah, I mean, that is the question. The, the only thing I, I push back on is I think I think that if you sell Wilf, you know, I think the, I think to the question, there's a lot of value gained there if you sell him. I don't think his value is ever going to be much higher, especially with his age and timing of everything. I think it's just a huge statement of intent. When a club goes and sells, like, for example, if Man City sell Aguero, that would be a bit of a sign to some people, like, you know, we're like if they were selling in January, like, oh, are we not going for it this season? We've got all these games with that. That's why it would make no sense to me. I think with Wilf, if Palace sells Wilf, I mean, where do, where do you, you know, what are you signaling to your fans? What are you signaling to your team? You're really, really, not, you know, kind of resigning to the the lower bottom half finish because that's by far your best player. And if you sell a player like that, it's just such a a statement well, of non-intent. I don't know about that because you look at you can look at a club, and we'll wrap this up in a second here. But you can look at a club like Everton, who have been forced to sell some of their better players, right? Like um, who? Michael Keane. Mike, oh wait, no, no, bought, excuse they me. They bought, they bought Everton. Who did they just get rid of? Didn't they just? 
know. They've, they, well, Everton has like been a team that's gone in and invested in like uh, Pickford, Keane, Richarlson, Sigurdsson. Those yeah, are all like, they, too big of names for like for Palace to be reinvesting because they like overpaid for all those guys. But I, I look at Palace as a club that's like kind of in the similar ranks, if like on the high end right now, as like an Everton, West Ham, Leicester, like those groups that are clubs that are still outside that top six. Yeah. And realistically, like I think that if they sold Wilf and freed up some wages there and brought in a lot of money, like they could get three or four other guys for uh, like more squad depth. They need a forward. They could replace him with a winger. They need another midfielder. Really piece that up a little bit better. Um, I don't know where I was going with that Everton thing. I, I thought there was some. Well, I, I think. Well, who I'm thinking of? Who I'm thinking of in a similar comparison? And again, just to wrap this up, would be what Spurs did ten years ago when they sold Gareth Bale and they sold Luka Modric within two seasons of each other. They got well over almost 150 million pounds for both of those players. Modric has gone on to win the Ballon d'Or, and Gareth Bale's gone on to win Champions League and, and been an outstanding winger for uh, Real Madrid. So both those players for Real, Real Madrid. And then everyone was like, oh, you know, Spurs, those are all their best players. They're not going for it anymore. Reinvested that totally in their in their youth. And then they end up with, you know, five, ten years later, they end up with Harry Kane, um, Deli Alley, um, you know, all these, all these players through their academy, Eric Dyer, all these young, talented players, Harry Winks, all these players coming through. And that's all on the back of those moves they made ten years ago. So I maybe mean, if, maybe it's maybe a better, more realistic recent comparison would be Leicester selling um, Mares, Mares, or even having to sell Conte too, and then having to rely a little bit more on guys like James Madison or Wilfred Ndidi, like some. Yeah, it's just know. yeah. The most the sad thing I, you just don't want to see a star player leave, and if if they do it, it it might make sense. But that's that's I mean that's all I got on Wilfred Zaha. I hope he doesn't go. But your point. Has opened a whole new realm that I'm just gonna I'm gonna have nightmares about it tonight because it kind of makes sense to me. Well, I'm always right. Um, that should do it. You have anything else on your mind? No, that's it. Last thing is yeah, follow the pod. Chris is running that. So the uh, Twitter and, account. Um, we yeah, got yeah, well, we have games on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. T- depending on the weather and our work schedule, we might drop something on like Wednesday or Thursday, um, and then we're gonna have more games this weekend. So worst case, you'll hear from us by Monday. We'll uh, be tweeting out updates on the pod if we have anything else in the meantime, though. Or on the Twitter. Jeez, we got just the same pod thing. Pod Twitter. Did. Yeah. It's late here. Uh, it's cold, so we're just trying to stay warm. Uh, but that's about it. Thanks yep. for listening. Yeah, just goes to show. Everybody's human. Thanks. All right, we're welcoming Martha Ridgeway. As a guest here, Martha, who is a former co-host of Just Goes to Show and Lifeblood employee and fan of Detroit City FC. Martha, welcome. Thank you. Happy Boxing Day. Happy Boxing Day. So we're going to get it right into it. Three, two, one, go. Favorite Premier League player? Joel Ward. Least favorite Premier League player? Um, oh, God. I don't like Salah. Favorite keeper? Yata. Yata. Best style in the Premier League? Aubameyang. Favorite Premier League manager? Unai Emery. If you played, what position would you play? Goalkeeper. Favorite pint? Uh, Carlsberg. It's probably the best one in the world. Favorite in-ground pie? Uh, the veggie balti pie at Wembley. Good answer. Favorite FIFA 19 team to play with? Oh, God. England. Start, sit, captain the following three players. Salah, Hazard, Kane. I'm going to captain Hayne. I'm going to sit Salah and start Hazard. Brilliant. Well done. Thanks, Marth.